6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of Proverbs, chapters 1 through 4. There are three kinds of parallelism that we'll encounter. Synonymous parallelism, antithetic parallelism, and synthetic parallelism. Now, Synonymous parallelism, it's, all these involve a couplet of two clauses, two lines. And synonymous parallelism, the second clause, simply restates what was given in the first clause. An example of that is in 19, uh, Proverbs 19.29, judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the back of fools. So that, see, they, that those lines say a different way, the same thing, two different ways. But they're synonymous. Judgments prepared for scorners, stripes for the back of fools. Now, we've encountered two vocabulary things here we'll come to in a little bit. Scorners and fools. We'll come back. There are three losers we're going to discover. And scorners and fools are two of the three. But anyway, the issue here is parallelism. Do you understand the parallelism idea? Okay. There's just the opposite of that, an antithetic parallelism. That's a truth which is stated in the first clause, but made stronger in the second clause by a contrast with an opposite truth. It's sort of like saying it's two sides of a coin, if you will. And uh, so, the light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. And uh, that's an example of, of a reversal, if you will. Then there is synthetic parallelism. This is a little tougher. The second clause simply develops the thought of the first. Example in Proverbs 20, verse 2, the terror of a king is as the roaring of a lion. He that provoketh him to anger sinneth against his own life. Okay? So uh, that's the, uh, that's, it, it continues the thought, or it gives the result of the thought, or it describes something that relates. It's, it's, that's called a, synth, you know, it's a synthesis. And so those are the three kinds of parallelism. Well, let's jump in and take a look at the book itself. The first nine chapters will contrast wisdom on the positive side and folly on the other side. In fact, it will indulge in a rhetorical device of treating them both as women who are calling on us. Wisdom is calling us to do one thing, folly another. And uh, both terms are feminine gender in the grammar of the Greek, of the, uh, excuse me, of the Hebrew. And uh, so they indulge in that as a rhetorical device. <clears throat> chapters 10 through, after that introduction, chapters 10 through 24 will be the Proverbs of Solomon that were written in set order by himself. From chapters 25 to 29, there are also Proverbs of Solomon, but these appear to be ones that were collected and set in order by the men of Hezekiah about three centuries later. He wrote about 3,000, far more than we have here. Wrote about 1,000 songs too, by the way. But uh, Proverbs, uh, 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 Psalm, the Proverbs 
um, uh, that he set down are chapters 10 through 24, chapter, the, the Proverbs of Solomon that the Hezekiah uh, team pulled together and uh, added as chapters 25 through 29. And then we have two chapters that we'll leave to the end. They are at the end, but they're also sort of the dessert. Uh, there are some real surprises in store. Uh, I think you'll find some aspects, especially of Proverbs 30, that you will not find in most Christian commentators, commentaries. But if you unravel the Hebrew, which we will do carefully, you'll discover it's an astonishing messianic passage. But involve, it, involve, it, it involves some uh, unraveling. So we'll, we'll leave that when we, get to, uh, when we get to chapter 30. We will encounter all through the book of Proverbs three losers. I don't know what else to call them. This is, that's what they are. Three classes of people who desperately need wisdom. And uh, the first is the scorner. The second will be the fool. We'll see what that guy's all about. And the final one is the simple. The scorner, the fool, and the simple. And the scorners. What are scorners? Well, they're the ones that mock at God's wisdom for a couple of reasons. First of all, because it's too high for them. It's out of reach. I know many of you could jot down your pad a number of radio commentators that would quickly fill the bill there. Um, some of these uh, probably have um, a lot of PhDs and H2SO4s behind their names and serve on committees that cast votes on what Jesus really said. They weren't there, but that's the way they, uh, uh, that, that's what they substitute instead of scholarship. The other thing, they will not admit it because they know everything. You know some of these people, uh, they tend to be on the radio or on television, and you get the impression that when they die, wisdom will die with them. Um, it's astonishing to see people who um, are just blinded by uh, the persuasion that they have all knowledge. Have all knowledge. It's, it's, that's one of the... Uh, I used to love the way uh, John Ankerberg used to deal with an atheist. If somebody's agnostic, that's a different problem altogether. He just feels he can't know. But an atheist claims to know. And John Ankerberg would always say, okay, prove it. And the guy would be baffled. What do you mean, prove it? Well, if you're an atheist, then you must know everything. Because whatever it is you don't know, God could be hiding behind. But to affirmatively assert that God does not exist implies you've looked everywhere and he ain't there. It's in effect equivalent to saying that... Uh, the, uh, that uh, you know everything, and uh, which is an easy thing to it's a, that's an easy attack to, to, to launch. Um, now the agnostic's a little different kind of problem. The agnostic claims he can't know or doesn't know, and uh, he prefers to use the Greek root, root was agnosco, the, the, from gnosko, uh, agnostic doesn't know. The Latin equivalent is the synonym in Latin doesn't go over as well at cocktail parties. I mean, saying I'm an agnostic sort of works, but saying I'm an ignoramus doesn't quite work. <laughs> but that's the same word in the in, in the. The Hebrew word for scorner literally means to make a mouth, 
So often in Hebrew, you have wordplay, but that word, their term for scorner uh, is to make a mouth. And you can easily picture them sneering or curling their lips in scorn. It's a descriptive phrase, typical Hebrew. It's a colorful, poetic phrase that meaning's clear, and yet it's, it's graphic, isn't it? And of course, they never, and because they think they know everything, they will not profit from rebuke. And as a result, they will one day be judged. That's the destiny of the scorner. And all of these we'll encounter as we go through the text. The second loser that we'll encounter again and again throughout this book is the fool. He's a person who's dense, sluggish, careless, and self-satisfied. Sluggish, careless, and self-satisfied. Not making any effort. There's a guy by the name of Nabal... And that, by the way, the word Nabal in the Hebrew means fool. That's the word. But there's also a guy by that name in 1 Samuel 25, a very wealthy sheep herder. And you can, I encourage you in your notes to put 1 Samuel 25, just, it's a colorful chapter. Basically, Nabal is, is a wealthy sheep herder. And David is in flight from Saul. He and his gang are, are nearby, this place where Nabal is. And uh, the presence of David and his, ar- his small army there, uh, of course, is a form of protection for the sheep herders from the Bedouin raiders and others. And so it's, it's time for shearing, which is a time of festivities. Usually that's like harvest, so to speak. They're, and and uh, uh, David had the presumption that because Nabal had been in his, his protection that he would be open, especially at time of feasting, uh, to provide some provisions for his men as a sort of a, a thank you gift with me. So he sends 10 guys there to see what, he, what they can scrounge up from Nabal. And Nabal's attitude is not only not very uh, gracious, it's insulting. Who's David that I should care? And he, he just sends back insults instead. David, upon hearing this, his situation, his uh, assessment of the situation, that he's going to send 400 there and take him out. He's, re- he's, he's really uh, upset by this um, uh, uh, attitude. Apparently, one of the men that overheard all this gets to Nabal's wife, Abigail, and lets her know that time trouble's coming because Nabal's attitude has really enraged David and his men. She quickly scoops up provisions, heads there, makes a magnificent speech of apology to David and provides provision. David is so impressed that his anger is assuaged and he, everything's, everything's fine. She goes back. Meanwhile, Nabal has gotten drunk with a big party because it, that's the occasion uh, for that sort of thing. So she waits till the next morning when he... Um, is sober enough to understand the mess they're in that she, that David you know that he had angered David and you don't you don't anchor the anchor <coughs> anger the king you know and so forth. Um, Nabal is so upset that his heart goes to stone to use a scriptural term. And ten days later he dies, and David um, marries Abigail. So it's interesting. It's, that's to give you a short version of it. But Nabal is a, was a fool. Uh, in just practical terms. but uh, So he's dense, sluggish, careless, and, and certainly self-satisfied. So the fool hates instruction, according to Proverbs. He hates instruction. 
So one of the first things you want to check out about yourself is do you hate instruction? If you do, you run the risk of possibly falling into this category. You don't, there are four categories. The scorner, the fool, and the simple, and the wise. How many of you are, are scorners here? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, that's good news. How many of you are fools here? How many of you are um, simple? I've got a couple of cautious hands. Okay. Um, how many of you are the wise? I hope so. I hope so. Okay. No, that's not... That, uh, that's, everybody hesitant. Uh, it's like when I say, well, the most humble person here, raise your hand. You know? No, no. It's not that kind of thing. Okay. You, you, you want to you see all the votes cast for it? Yeah, gotcha. Okay. You want to, what are the categories? Who's all running before I vote? Right, okay. Okay, the fool hates instruction. The fool is, of course, self-confident. It's interesting how God hates pride. It's, it's interesting how pride gets in the way. See, the only certainty, that the, the, the only certain barrier to truth, there's only one barrier to truth that's absolutely fatal. And that's the presumption you already have it. If you have any opening, any doubt about that at all, you're at least open to listen. But the assurance that you already have it is a certain barrier to it. And that's the worst kind of self-confidence. And of course, the fool has a way of advertising it. He, t he talks without thinking. And I think all of us have done foolish things, so we won't take a vote on that right now. Okay. And of course, the fool mocks at sin. The fool mocks at sin. And all of this, you know, people say, well, you know, we, we live in an age where this is tough stuff because we're taught in university that you have your truth, I have my truth, everything's relative. Not so. What's right and what's wrong is what God says is right and wrong. If you, without the authority of God, you're adrift. With the authority of God, it's very clear. It may not be pleasant, but it's very, very clear. And uh, so let's get to the next. We've been to the scorner and the fool. Let's talk about the simple. The simple ones are those that believe everything and everybody and lack discernment. And lack discernment. There are many people that may be gullible, but there's something far more here. Those who believe everything and everybody and lack discernment. So this, they're easily led astray by others, and of course they lack understanding. They can't see ahead, and as a result, they repeatedly walk into trouble. And uh, so there's two kinds of people, those that repair trouble and those that anticipate it and avoid it in the first place. And uh, being a troubleshooter and solving problems is great. What's even better is to avoid them in the first place by foresight or wisdom. And then, of course, we get to the category that hopefully we're all aspiring to, and that's to be the wise. That means we listen to instruction, of course, according to Proverbs 1.5. And not only listen, we obey what we hear. Ah, that's the bridge most of us don't cross. We get plenty of head knowledge, but somehow getting the transmission in gear and the clutch released is a, something else again. They store up what they learn. They win others to the Lord. Proverbs 11.30 is a famous verse. We'll get to that. And, of course, they flee from sin, and they watch their tongue. And we always have to have seven, right? And they're diligent in their daily work. Okay. So that's our heptatic list. Straightforward and yet not easy. Do we really store up what we learn? Do we scripture memorize? 
Do we really have a confidence in our position to lead others to this position? Do we really flee from sin or do we play at it from time to time? Do we watch our tongue? And are we really diligent in our daily work? All these things are the wise and the Proverbs will deal with all of these things. Now we have wisdom and folly. They're, they're sort of portrayed rhetorically as two women. And we have three calls from wisdom and three calls from folly. And... Uh, Wisdom calls us to God and life, and folly calls us to sin and judgment. Those are the, and they'll take a variety of styles and manners here. In chapter one, we're going to see wisdom's first call, and it's a call to salvation. In chapter eight, we'll see wisdom's second call, and that's going to be a call to wealth, interestingly enough. The Bible has a call, a plan to draw you into wealth. That may surprise you, but it's there very clearly. And wisdom's third call is to life itself, a lifestyle we might use the term, a rich, full life. It's not a life of asceticism. It's not a life, it's not a monastic call. It's a call to real life. And that'll be in chapter 9. Wisdom's first call in chapter 1 will be to the scorner, the fool, and the simple. Those three losers will be called by wisdom to, uh, to salvation. When we get to chapter 8, we'll have the call to wealth. That'll just be to the fool and the simple. And we get to the third call for life. It's only to the simple. You notice that? See, the fool, all three groups were in, embraced in the first call. Two groups, fool and the simple, in the second call, and the simple alone. The other losers have fallen by the wayside, apparently, in terms of the call. So I think that's... Uh, uh, the, the, the structure isn't that important, except to realize there is a structure. There is a pattern that's going here. Folly has three calls. The first is a call to condemnation in chapter 5, the second call to poverty, and the third to death. That's the end of where folly will lead you, in effect. And what are the results? Well, for the scorner, he rejected wisdom and met destruction. He listened to folly and received destruction. The fool will reject wisdom and was led to death in chapter 8. He listened to folly and received death also in chapter 5. The, the simple rejected wisdom and went to hell in chapter 9. And he listened to folly and ended up in hell in chapter 7. So we find those destinies for those three losers. So that's a little background profile. Let's jump into chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity. To give subtly to the simple to the young, man, excuse me, the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. It's interesting to realize all through the scripture 
that Solomon loved what is called dark sayings, enigmas, riddles. And uh, we'll find some of those that'll be fun to unravel. In Psalm 78, he says, I will, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. So this is one of the mechanisms of conveying instruction and through enigmas. And we're going to encounter some of those. In the first few verses, verses 2 through 6, we have the purpose of the book of Proverbs laid out for us. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. See, the discipline is all through here. For giving prudence to the simple, for understanding Proverbs, parables, sayings, and riddles of the wise. And here we have the key verse in the entire book, not just for the session. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The, uh, this whole area of instruction and discipline is all through here, and it's interesting how we get it backwards with our children, for example. When our children are, are bad, we shouldn't punish them. We should discipline them. It doesn't, that doesn't mean not giving them a spanking, but we need to understand it's discipline, not punishment. We get it backwards. We discipline our criminals and punish our children. It ought to be the other way around. It ought to be the other way around. The, um, it always fascinates me to realize that in Israel they had no prisons. Think about it. Anyway, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Now, this is not an instruction for phylacteries. doesn't mean they have to make copies of these and put them in some kind of brooch and wear it around their neck. It's a, it's, a, it's a rhetorical device, obviously. But uh, leave it to some rabbis to challenge that. This is the key verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And chapter 9, verse 10, will say the beginning of wisdom. One step further. Proverbs, uh, continuing verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. In other words, you're going to find a, a, a stream of suggestions here that are trying to enlist the young man. And the whole profile here in these early chapters is a young man getting ready for life. The father instructing him. He says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us. Let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up as alive. Excuse me. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil to make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. Now obviously this attempt to enlist the young man in some kind of nefarious plot is generalizable, not the specifics. Obviously, the whole idea here is that uh, not to pursue ill-gotten gains. And uh, 
because it's going to talk more and more about where that it, 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 crime does. What it's basically saying is crime does not pay. Now, that's hard to sell today. When I grew up, 40s, 50s, and so forth, it was fashionable to say crime does not pay. You didn't come out with a movie that didn't have the crooks caught. You know, It was just a, an axiom of the, the day that uh, crime does not pay. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it does today, but it certainly appears to our young people it does. You know, it, 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 we have successfully in our culture disconnected character from destiny. It, the, 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 the belief that was prevalent decades ago was that if you worked hard and had let it, it really went, had a straight life, that, you, that would lead to success and wealth and security. Today, everybody knows that it's what you can get away with. How far can you bend the law without breaking it? And so forth. Um, Different atmosphere. And as exemplary, and I look at uh, Bill Clinton in the last administration, it's not the cause, as a symptom. But uh, you have, we have a, a, an astonishing list of people at the top offices of the land that were murdered. Over 100. We have uh, um, uh, a, a whole style of administration that uh, you look, it's it, it, it just a shocker. Now, uh, you, look at the UN, you look at the UN with its corruption. It, it seems the higher you go in whatever organization, whether it's in France or whether it's the UN or even in our own country, uh, especially in the previous administration, and who knows, maybe in ours too, in the, in the current one. The point is, we clearly live... It, it used to... Uh, most of my executive career was in the Wall Street environment. My word is my bond. They, these were men that may not have been moral, but they were ethical. And you, wouldn't, you couldn't conceive of a thing like Enron and some of these other... Uh, crimes, uh, uh, ethical crimes at, at, the, at that level. It's astonishing. Anyway, um, this is really a call. This, this is arguing that ultimately crime does not pay. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Proverbs. Download the K-House TV app to access an ever-growing collection of free resources. Visit the iTunes or Android app store, or search K-House TV on your Roku streaming device. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.